Hello, I'm Nick Cater, Executive Director of the Menzies Research Centre and a columnist with The Australian. The diminishing return from the politics of fear is making life hard for some. The latest preposterous excuse from the Queensland Premier for retaining the right to seal her state's borders signals growing desperation. A number of surveys last week confirmed that the public mood has shifted from the fantasy of zero Covid and towards the reality that this uninvited guest will be staying for a good deal longer. Tolerance for snap lockdowns and closure of state borders is diminishing. A survey by Compass polling last week found 7 out of 10 Australians want border closures to be nationally coordinated, rather than allowing states to continue to go it alone. It's the view held by 6 out of 10 Queenslanders. Anastasia Palaszczuk, however, refuses to let go of the state-versus-state, mate-versus-mate mentality she's adopted since the start of the pandemic. Her new threshold for business as usual is absurdly unachievable. The immunisation of infants with a vaccine not yet approved for use in children under 12 in a state where adults appear unusually hesitant to receive it themselves. Queensland is firmly anchored at the bottom of the vaccine table, alongside WA. By Friday night, 72.6% of people in New South Wales had had one jab and 40.3% had had two, compared to just 52.7% and 34.1% in Queensland. It begs the question, who should be closing their borders against whom? One Premier at least is prepared to have the honest discussion, long overdue, that all leaders will have to get around to eventually. The light at the end of the tunnel means accepting COVID is part of our lives, accepting that unfortunately people will die, said Gladys Berejiklian on Friday. But they will be less likely to die if everybody is vaccinated. This is the reality. The nature of the Delta variant means the number of active cases may rise higher, even when the stipulated vaccination rates are achieved, judging by the experience of others. Israel may be the promised land for the children of Abraham, but not for the vaccinated. Israel's vaccination rate has reached 78% of those over 12. But there were 11,000 new cases per million last week, compared to 134 per million in New South Wales. The Doherty Institute modelling demonstrates we can expect better protection with an over-16s vaccination rate of 70% and better still at 80%, but the protection gains grow marginally smaller. Part of the honest conversation premiers such as Palaszczuk are reluctant to have is that the vaccines are somewhat leaky. How leaky they are is beginning to come clear in the weekly surveillance reports from the UK, which tracks and reports data far better than most. There is enough evidence to be confident that a single dose of AstraZeneca reduces the risk of showing symptoms by 55 to 70% and the chances of dying by 75 to 85%. A second dose appears to reduce the odds further although the evidence is less firm. The question yet to be answered to the satisfaction of British medical scientists is the likelihood that a vaccinated person will transmit the virus to somebody else. Their conclusion that there is little evidence available at present and the results are inconclusive is hardly the reassurance for which we might have hoped. The news from abroad, however, is less grim once we look beyond the raw case numbers. The picture is consistent. In the most vaccinated populations, deaths are significantly less common and fewer people are treated in hospital. COVID-19 does indeed become more like the flu and even less like Ebola, which is something else the fear-mongering premiers find it difficult to talk about. 
having spent 18 months trying to scare us witless, they're finding it hard to change tack. Perhaps they can start by unfudging the figures, as the New South Wales government has started to do. Last week, we discovered that the actual death toll from COVID-19 is almost certainly lower than the one that has been officially reported. New South Wales Deputy Chief Health Officer Jeremy McNulty acknowledged that dying with COVID is not the same as dying of COVID and that the distinction was now being made in the official count. Since most of those who die are elderly and have multiple comorbidities, it is an important detail when assessing the level of risk. Coming to terms with the coronavirus requires us to wrestle with the question of whether it was ever as bad as we thought it was and if the response was proportional to the risk. The answer will almost certainly be no. Closing our external borders was demonstrably effective. So too was the targeted protection of the elderly, particularly in institutional care. The absence of large outbreaks in nursing homes for nearly a year is the main reason that there have been thankfully few deaths in the latest outbreak. Lockdowns are much harder to justify given the cost to economic and personal well-being, a cost that increases exponentially the longer they continue. The evidence that they work is not quite as firm as we might like to think, since there is seldom a reliable control group against which results can be compared. The mounting case numbers in New South Wales after more than two months of lockdown prove nothing. Some will argue the case numbers would have been higher if not for the lockdown, but that is a conclusion based on supposition, not evidence. At what vaccination level these lockdowns should end is a political judgment, not one that can be based on science. It requires a level of courage few leaders have been prepared to muster so far in this pandemic. The wiser heads in government, however, will surely have concluded by now what is obvious from the experience abroad, that living with COVID-19 means living with an active threat to health, not just a theoretical risk. They will have concluded, too, that this episode in our national life was made more painful by a lack of preparation and unresolved tensions in the Constitution that were taken as a licence by some premiers to play politics at a time of national crisis. Now the pathway back to normality has been agreed upon, the next item on the agenda should be preparing for the next viral threat. I'm Nick Cater for the Menzies Research Centre.